This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Where Did You Get This Number? I am Anthony Salvanto. And as the Iowa caucuses approach, who better to talk to than my colleague out there in Iowa, Adam Brewster. Adam, familiar to folks on this show. Welcome back. Thank you for having me back, Anthony. It's great to be here. Uh, Terrific. So, okay, you have one of the most important jobs out there right now. You are covering this as the spotlight (laughs) intensifies as, as CBS political reporter out there. In this episode, Adam, you and I have kind of conspired to, we say, well, let's Let's try to explain the Iowa caucuses. We know it gets a lot of Google searches. How does a caucus work? Um, We see it on our website. You've written about it. I have to try to figure out, you know, who wins on election night. (laughs) But this, you know, this is a process that some people say is the kind of heartbeat of democracy. It's a meeting. It's people arguing, et cetera, et cetera. And other people say, wait a second, this is also confusing. Why don't they just walk in and vote? So let's walk through this. It's caucus night and we're out there. Our reporters are doing our entrance poll. We're asking people as they're walking up to the caucus place, who are you going to support? Who are you planning to support? Take us inside the room where this caucusing happens. What goes on? So it's a series of party meetings where one part is discussing party platforms and planks, and then the other part is the presidential preference expression. So what will happen, this will take place in 1,678 precincts across Iowa. So what happens in there is campaigns are allowed to have a precinct captain, someone to speak on behalf of them, give a final pitch of saying why they should support, whether it's Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, make their final plea for their candidate of choice. It's a process that takes months and months and months. And that's why campaigns get started so early here. And we saw them build out organizing teams here in Iowa at a much faster pace than they did in some of the other early states, because your goal is to get precinct captains in as many of those 1,678 precincts as possible. And that's no easy task finding volunteers who are committed to doing that. Now, once those speeches wrap, uh, the the old saying is you go to a corner. Well, this year we know rooms have four corners, not 12, 13, however many are left on caucus (laughs) night corners. Uh, So everyone will go to where their candidate is assigned to go, and they will tally up how many people are, are standing with each candidate. Okay, so wait a second. So wait a second. So remind people, there's no there's no ballot here. You're not going to drop a ballot into a ballot box. You're going to go stand with, you know, literally when you say, you know, I stand with this candidate, you are going to go stand with the people who also support the same candidate you do. If you are a Biden supporter, you're going to go stand with the Biden supporters. If you are a Warren supporter, you're going to go stand with the Warren supporters. And then the precinct captain goes and counts how many people are standing in that group, right? That's that's correct. And as you mentioned, there's no ballot. This is also not a one person, one vote. At the end of the day, they are electing delegates out of these precincts. 
Okay, so so to do this, you've got now we're inside the room and we've got a bunch of people standing in groups. Okay, now we should tell everybody the size of these groups is important when they first get together because they don't just give out delegates to everybody who's got a group. Right, the group has to be of a certain size to be eligible. Right. Correct. You need 15% support. So to keep things simple, imagine a caucus room where there's 100 people. You need at least 15 people standing with your candidate. You need Joe Biden needs at least 15 people or Pete Buttigieg or Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Cory Booker, any of them to win delegates out of that precinct. You need at least 15 people standing in your group when this is all said and done. Okay, so here's a candidate whose supporters don't make the 15 percent. Here's somebody who is is maybe at at 8 percent or 7 percent. Not good enough. Where do those people go? What happens next? Right. So after they've done that first counting of alignment and they figure out who has 15 percent and who does not, there will be a round of realignment. Now, the people who backed a candidate, if a candidate like like Joe Biden has more than 15 percent, all of the Joe Biden supporters will have to stay with his group. And then the the realignment will impact all the candidates who in this room of 100 people had 14 or fewer people supporting them. Now, those those people have a few options. If you're a candidate, you know, say Senator Amy Klobuchar and you have 14 people in your group, well, you have the chance to try to win over one of the other people who was with a candidate who had less than 15 percent to try to hit that viability threshold. Essentially, if you support a candidate who after that first round has less than 15%, your options are join a viable candidate who has hit the 15% threshold, try to win enough supporters to hit the 15% threshold, go join another campaign that's on the cusp of hitting that and you know form a group that puts you over the 15% mark. And if you don't like any of your options, the party says you do have the option to leave and not participate in the presidential preference selection. Now we've got what would be our final clusters, our people standing around, all of whom are over this magic 15 percent threshold. Mm -hmm. And now now they're going to divvy up the delegates. And that means that they are going to take those precincts assigned delegates and give them out to the candidates. That's ultimately what this is about, right? Correct. This is about assigning precinct level delegates at a proportional level to the amount of support that there was in a room. If you have 40 percent, you know, you get about 40 percent of the precinct level delegates available, you know, within that room. And then the party's going to report all this information out this year. Right. And that's different. We used to just find out who got the delegates. But this year, it sounds like the party wants to try to give us all the details. Right. So, right. So there will be three numbers reported out on caucus night this year, Anthony, instead of just one. The first is the delegates, which will be done at the state level. Essentially, the party takes all of those precinct level delegates, puts them into a computer and spits out, you know, essentially how that converts into delegates at the state level. It's called the state delegate equivalent. And that's how they actually determine the number of national delegates that someone wins. And that person technically would win the Iowa caucuses. But the party this year is also going to put out two sets of numbers. They're going to put out the popular vote, the raw vote totals from the that first initial round of preference. The DNC, after the 2016 cycle, essentially asked the party 
to do that partly, you know, in the name of transparency. And then the Iowa Democratic Party decided they wanted to also show the raw vote total of the second round, the realignment, to partly show how people actually moved around all of these rooms within the state that night. So we're going to see, if all goes as planned, who people were planning to support when they came in, and then we're going to find out who they were supporting in their first choice, Mm -hmm. and then we're going to find out who they were supporting on their second choice, how people moved around, who effectively won those arguments you were describing, and then we're also going to find out who got the delegates based on their delegate assigning formula, and it is mathematically possible that somebody could get more raw vote or raw preference, if you will, but not as many delegates. And if that starts to make folks' head spin, can we explain why that might be? Yeah, so that first round would look more similar to what you might see in a primary. Everyone was able to just support who their top choice was. And there are some, you know, Democrats here, some strategists and, and people who say, You could see a campaign try to claim victory by saying, hey, when everyone was just asked, who's your top choice, we had the most people supporting us. Now, the second line uh, of realignment, the popular vote total there, there seems to be some people who think that that number will more closely match the, the delegate total because the delegate total is tied to that second round of preference. It is possible that someone could, you know, have more people than than the person who wins. So if, you know, the candidate who gets the most delegates could end up getting the second highest, you know, number of people supporting them in that second round. And, you know, so there's a chance that three campaigns could come out of this claiming some type of victory uh, <laughs> on that night. Um, but, Anthony, you, and you know, can this. Bet the, 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 and you the, can bet they will. You can bet they will. You can bet they will. Campaigns will try to, you know, spin this however they can of, of how why that night uh, went well for them if they didn't sure. you know, technically win the Iowa caucuses by getting the most delegates and sending the most delegates to the national convention out of Iowa. Sure. Yeah, because, right, if they, if they came in and said, well, you know, our folks wanted us, it's just that some shuffling happened inside the caucuses, blah, 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 then they look better. But here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. And this is where if you really want to be uh, an Iowa wonk, you got you to gotta know this. The number of delegates that are available at every precinct and, frankly, in every district is locked. So a candidate could send 10 people to a precinct or 100 people to the precinct, to use your example, and divvy up, let's say there's 10 delegates available there, right? Divvy those up. But a campaign could send 100,000 people into that precinct caucus, and still there's 10 delegates available. So you could run up the score by having a lot of supporters go to that caucus site, but the number of delegates that's going to come out of that precinct is still locked, right? Correct. Right. So this would be a point where you can see people trying to, where they think they have strong support, where a campaign thinks they have strong support, whether it's a particular county or a particular precinct where an organizer has, you know, knows some of these uh, events, some of these precincts are small where organizers probably know almost everyone who is likely to show up to caucus and they can try to pack that room 
and try to run up and get more people in their corner, even if that doesn't necessarily increase the number of delegates they win out of there. And that's where you could see the discrepancy potentially between the delegate totals and some of those raw vote totals. And it also means the campaigns, as you've told us repeatedly, need to go campaign in every corner of the state. You can't just go win in Des Moines and run up the score there. You can't just go to Cedar Rapids or a population center and run up the score there the way some candidates can in a particular statewide election because these precincts all over the state have the delegates allocated to them. So a campaign to be successful needs to go get representation out in western Iowa and in eastern Iowa and in Des Moines and in a rural precinct, you know, in in Ames County or what have you. And that's how you get the delegates. They're parceled out across the state, right? That's correct. And so we've seen campaigns really blanket the map and spend more time in rural areas. We've heard repeatedly uh, campaigns talk about how rural areas are places where you can pick up delegates. And I, you know, when you talk to people what to expect in these final weeks, one, you know, uh, former political operative I talked to said he'd spend all his time in rural areas and focus on the population centers in the last week or so to really draw the big crowds and enthusiasm. But he says you can get more bang for your buck in terms of delegates. People appreciate when you go to their backyard. It doesn't mean you need to go to the far reaches, but some of these county seats that exist, you know, not too far from places like Des Moines and Cedar Rapids, where they just don't get as many candidates going through and showing up there really can make a big difference on caucus night. Mm -hmm. And so you might be seeing Mm -hmm. candidates partly spending time in some of these, they have a lot spent time in rural areas for that reason, but why they may continue to leading up to caucus day. Another place to keep an eye on that's delegate rich is the Mississippi River counties. Those are places that were typically Democratic strongholds. Uh, Many of them voted for President Trump in 2016, but they have been heavily targeted by many candidates. And ultimately... Iowa is an attention play in political terms, right? I mean, we're talking about a state that doesn't have but a fraction of the delegates that will ultimately go to the national convention because it happens to go first. This is where candidates have historically loved that chance to get up on the podium and call themselves a winner. And as we noted, maybe a few will have that chance now, but call themselves a winner, look like a winner and get that national media attention, right? Right. It's only 49 national delegates. As you mentioned, that's a fraction of what's needed. Iowa is all about momentum and the ability to come here and say, hey, we we won this first contest and we were able to organize better than everyone else. And we were able to win over more supporters than everyone else after everyone spent months and months and months camped out in this state. So it's a momentum play more than a mathematical play that a place like California or Texas might be. Last thing, Adam, and then we'll let our folks go go on. You know, there's been so much talk this year about whether Iowa is representative of the Democratic Party. There's been campaigns, of course, talking about whether or not Iowa ought to go first. The Iowans argument has always been, well, we spend more time with the candidates. We really get to kick the tires. What are you hearing on the ground when folks on in Iowa hear that hear that argument? And there are some Iowans who do acknowledge maybe the process needs to be shaken up a bit. But then there are others who say we really do pay attention. People in the political world will say, "Hey, this is a cheap media market. You don't have to spend 
tens of thousands of dollars to put an advertisement on television here. You can advertise across the state relatively cheaply, even compared to a place like New Hampshire. Uh, that's an argument that gets made. One of the other criticisms that's been is uh, lack of access, right? Because these caucuses take place on a single night at a single time. It can be difficult for people who have kids or who are working or who may be older or disabled and aren't able to get out. So one of the things uh, the party has this year is what's called satellite caucus sites. It just works just like those precinct sites, but it allows people at workplaces, nursing homes, college campuses, or Iowans who might live out of state or out of the country to go to a caucus in a place that isn't necessarily their neighborhood precinct. Now, the DNC told caucus states they had to come up with a plan to expand turnout. The initial plan that the Iowa Democrats proposed uh, was nixed for security reasons. So this satellite caucus is what they have put out as a way to try to expand turnout, which is one of the other criticisms that some people make against uh, the caucus process. Is it a video conference? It'll be it'll be rooms. It will be rooms. So it will be someone's home or if you work at a hospital. A hospital can have a, a caucus site for people who are either in the hospital or working at the hospital to just caucus there rather than having to go to the school down the street or the church a mile from your home, something like that. So these are rooms that are just held outside of those 1,678 precincts that will hold caucuses, and that will add between 1% and 10% to the statewide delegate total depending on the turnout there. Are they also going to be held on that Monday or are they? Yes, they will be held on that Monday. And some, as I mentioned, will be held out of state. There are several states uh, that are holding uh, satellite caucuses. And there are three sites abroad, even in Paris, Glasgow and in the Republic of Georgia, where there are enough Iowans there to to be able to go caucus. They had to apply for these satellite sites and uh, 25 states in those three countries outside of Iowa will be doing it. It will all take place on that Monday. Some are taking place uh, at slightly different times. Well, I learned something. I did not know there were a a large Iowa expat community in the Republic of Georgia. I I didn't know that either until they put out the release. It's some people working over there. (laughs) That is interesting. All right. Always good with the interesting factoids. Adam Brewster, uh, we will talk more in the closing days. And in the meantime, thank you for uh, opening this whole this whole interesting process. There's the best word I can find. <laughs> this whole process <laughs> up for us. Thanks for having me on, Anthony. Great stuff. Thanks always, Adam. And that's going to do it for us at uh, Where Did You Get This Number? We are going to be covering the Iowa caucuses. We will be talking to you from the decision desk and getting the latest as we close in on those. In the meantime, I am Anthony Salvanto. I want to thank my intrepid producer, Alan Pang, as always, for pulling this together and everybody here at CBS News Radio that helps make this possible. And, of course, you for listening. Talk to you next week. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news, and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.